Today on the show, I talk to singer-songwriter and dashboard confessional guitarist John Leffler about the ups and downs of the music business, when bad shows happen to good musicians, and much, much more on this week's Who Writes This Stuff. Hello and welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Nick Flora. As is usually the case, I'm coming to you from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, it really means a lot to me that you would uh, spend your time shoving things in your earballs and uh, letting me come through those ear, ear hole things. Uh, obviously, I speak well. I am a human being who is also an adult. Uh, since last I spoke on this podcast, I, uh, I did a little tour around the Midwest and southern regions of this fine country of ours in uh, record-breaking temperatures, no less. And uh, uh, needless to say, it was uh, educational. Uh, it, no, most of it was actually a blast, and uh, I, I had some really great shows and got to hang out with some really cool people. Um, had some bad ones too, uh, you know, but that's gonna that's gonna come uh, anytime you you book a bunch of shows uh, together. Uh, but mostly they were great, and I'm so appreciative for everybody that came out. And uh, I had a bit of an experience uh, on this tour in Houston uh, that I'd like to tell you about. Um, uh, since John Leffler is on the show today and we, we talk a little bit about, uh, bad show experiences and one that we shared together, um, I, I thought it would kind of fit in the spirit of this, um, podcast. So this episode, so I should preface this story by saying that what I'm about to tell you is 100% true and not fabricated in any way. I'm telling it from my perspective as it occurred. Um, so anyway, I booked the show in Houston on a Tuesday night for this tour, and typically, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays, sometimes Wednesdays, aren't the greatest as far as times to play shows when you're on the road, but you kind of learn to take what you can get, and um, I booked the show at this dive bar kind of place, um, which a lot of times those places end up being kind of cool, so, you know, it was on a main drag of downtown Houston, and I I thought at least some foot traffic, you know, would be happening, and uh, plus I had a handful of people that, that I knew were coming, um, one of those being a podcast listener uh, I've come to know a little bit named Joe Parks, who is a local pastor uh, in the area. He was bringing a crew of people. So, you know, I thought, you know, worst case scenario, I, I get to play to these guys. So uh, I get to the venue and on it, there are, you know, the normal kind of show posters and, and all that stuff. The two for one PBRs you know, beer signs, bucket of beers. One of them says naked Tuesdays. Uh, so it seemed like a place of business at least, which was good. Um, cause sometimes you don't know, uh, this venue, it looked like it was the Joker's lair from like the, a Tim Burton era, Batman, like Batman returns or something. Like, it looks like, you know, it was kind of part cartoonish and, and odd and strange. And, uh, it was complete with about a dozen to maybe 15 kind of schizophrenic looking people kind of, you know, walking around, not making eye contact, uh, with anybody, uh, nervously scratching on their arm or neck or something, uh, and talking to themselves. And, uh, some of the art on the walls, uh, which is mostly of the, I recognize from being iconic works of American art. Um, and, and like Marilyn Monroe and different people like that, but all of them, uh, with, uh, some variation of a sex toy sticking out of their mouth. Um, no joke. That's a real thing. And also next to the door, when I walked in, the first thing that I saw, I should say, was this man with old man with an eye patch who is playing chess across from a cat. Uh, that's not a joke. That's a real thing that I saw that would have been the Instagram photo of the day if what had happened after this had not have happened and kind of derailed me a little bit. Um, but there's also this nasty couch with a coffee table in front of it uh, that was made out of glass shaped like a coffin uh, with a decaying uh, body or model of a decaying body inside. Very graphic, very real looking. Um, at least I hope it was a model mannequin and not a real decaying old woman. Uh, and much to my dismay, of course, there is a stage and a sound system. Uh, so this is clearly what appears to be where I'm playing my show tonight. So needless to say, I immediately stick out from everybody else in this place. Not saying anything about me, not saying anything about them, just saying we are very different and this is not the normal type of place where I would play and uh, get a rousing uh, round of applause after my song. I should I should say that after I play. But uh, So I asked the bartender... Um, if my contact, whose name is Jim, uh, is around and, uh, he's the guy that I'm supposed to talk to. He kind of, he asked if I was playing upstairs and, uh, my first thought was, God, I hope not. Uh, since this is what downstairs is like, I don't really want to go upstairs. 
the bartender tells me he's going to go to the back and check the schedule since he wasn't aware of any music happening tonight, which is always a great, you know, vote of confidence that the, the show is going to go great when the guys working there that night don't know if something's happening. So I kind of, uh, you know, I sit around and wait for this guy to come back. I assume this guy is dead uh, because I never see him again. Gone. Just like that. Uh, so I put my guitar on the stage and kind of saunter outside to get some fresh air and kind of wrap my brain around what I just saw. It took in a lot in about 45 seconds. Um, and when I run into Joe Parks and his buddy who have invited a handful of their church congregation people to come to the show, um, but it's just them, as I'm trying to kind of explain to them what's going on with this venue and kind of uh, this guy, I feel this guy kind of walk, walking around me, walking around us, sort of, uh, you kind of feel, you know, whenever whenever you're in a big city and you kind of feel out of your peripheral vision, there's maybe a homeless person that's going to grab you uh, and ask you for change. Well, this guy, he comes up to us and he says, hey, are you Jack to me? Uh, And uh, I say, no, I'm Nick. And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But you're playing the show tonight, right? And uh, I say, yes. And uh, so uh, I, I quickly figure out this is Jim. This is my contact. This is the guy. And uh, he... He's wearing what some sort of hockey jersey in 104 degree heat uh, with like plaid skateboarder type shorts. He's in his 50s, kind of a nervous guy. He has beads of sweat just sitting on his head, like not like pouring down his his head, but just sitting like on his forehead. And it was very odd. And uh, he says, cool, cool. Well, do you want to go check out the place and see if that's okay and everything's okay? And uh, I told him that I had already been in the venue and he was like, no, 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 you're playing upstairs. Uh, so my heart drops immediately. Uh, it's the one place I did not want to go. So I follow Jimbo, uh, around the side of the building to this, uh, outside door that had this sign on it that was advertising in big, bold letters, naked Tuesdays. Um, which once again, I don't know what this is. Uh, the staircase is very narrow as my eyes kind of adjust, uh, from the light to the darkness. I can tell that at the top of the stairs, there's music playing. There's clearly another venue of some sort happening up here that is not advertised. Great. Um, in the middle of the staircase, there are two mannequins facing each other, uh, that we had to squeeze by to get up to the top. One of the mannequins is an overweight male mannequin, which I didn't even know they made. And the other is a shorter female mannequin. Uh, to get to the top of the stairs, we have to awkwardly squeeze through these two mannequins. And uh, as we did, my arm grazed one of them, and uh, it didn't feel like a hard plastic like mannequins do. Uh, it, it actually felt like what I'd imagine scientists would uh, would try to make to recreate human skin. It was it was very creepy, and it like a chill went down my spine when I when I touched it. Very very odd. As we got about three steps from the top. I was hit with this waft of a smell. There was a mix of like body odor and spilt alcohol and a non-ventilated attic in 104-degree Houston heat. Uh, it was just gross. So I, I have no idea what's about to happen. As we reach the top of the stairs, I'm following Jim, and I see that there are already about 75 to 80 people in this place. And uh, as my eyes adjust more, I realize that 100% of these people are all completely naked. Just hanging out, figuratively and literally. I'd say that about 90% of them are largely overweight dudes, and the other 10% are petite, completely normal-looking chicks. Uh, At this point, my mind is having a hard time putting into context what's happening. Since unless you have some warning, walking into a room full of naked, sweaty people is about as big of a shock to your system as you can get. Uh, So, Jim... (laughs) points to a section of the room and says uh, so casually, okay, so we're going to set you up over here and uh, let's see, uh, it's just you and an acoustic, right? So that'd be a pretty easy setup. And like completely ignoring the fact that we are surrounded by 75 to 80 exposed male genitalia and a handful of female ones. My brain is still at about 60%. It's slowly catching up with what's happening around me. And uh, my show kind of mentality, muscle memory kicks in. And I just start answering his questions as if all this is completely normal. But finally, I ask him what we're all thinking. Is there a sound system? That's my first question out of my mouth as I'm surrounded completely by naked people. Uh, And at this point, there are about 15 of these overweight naked dudes just come running towards us to the stairs with cameras taking pictures and video of some sort. 
as three or four more naked people come running up the stairs screaming at the top of their lungs like they're being stabbed in the heart. And I honestly thought for a second that I was going to die. That's not a joke. I thought, this is it. I am, a, I am a sacrifice for this weird naked cult, and this is where I'm going to die. Uh, but nope, just more naked people to join the party. Uh, so finally I asked Jim, what the hell is going on here? He replies, oh, oh, this is Naked Tuesdays. Like it's a thing that we all know about. Uh, I asked, but what is it? He explains to me that uh, every month a nudist performance arts group meets up here and they do, you know, what they do. Uh, as I'm putting all of this info together and trying to figure out just how I'm going to ex- explain this to my assuredly growing church group downstairs who's coming to my show, uh, I asked him, you know, do you want me to wait for a Naked Tuesday crew to move out before I start loading my stuff in? And, and, and uh, he said so casually, oh no. They're staying for the show. We book bands for them to do interpretive dances to. It's a whole thing. This is the point where it hit me that this was a bait and switch. They book artists to play for this nudist performance arts group. And when the bands get there, they spring it on them that this is what they've been booked for. This isn't a joke. This is just how they perform business. Then old Jimbo looks me in the eye and asks, looks me in the eye, and asks, is all this okay? Like he was a hotel concierge, and he just showed me to my room. In my head, my answer is, no, Jim. This is not okay. This is weird and freaky and dishonest, and not what we agreed to in the least. And I'm leaving. But what I actually say is, yeah. I'll grab my gear and, uh, and load in right here through this door. Cool. So I walked downstairs. I grabbed my guitar from the stage. I told Joe and his buddy to follow me to my car around the block. I told them the show was canceled, shook their hands, got in my car, and went home. Because that's how you handle crazy people. You don't tell them they're crazy. You act as if what they're saying is totally normal and fine, and then you disappear and make them wonder if you even existed to begin with. One thing's for sure though, if I would have played, I probably would have sold a crap ton of t-shirts. If you want to contact the show, you can do so uh, by emailing whowritesthestuffpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to be even nicer, you can go and leave iTunes reviews uh, on the iTunes podcast page under Who Writes This Stuff. Some people who did so lately, who I'm so thrilled and, uh, and delighted, are Steve Lee, David Collins, Kimberly Keene, Sarah Jojo, Brian Eggenberger, which is an awesome name, Stacey Cobes, and Dark Horse 9158320. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and for leaving iTunes feedback. You guys rule. Thank you for doing that. Um, also, if you want to uh, be an even more of a doll and an angel and actually donate to this podcast to keep it going, it is a free show and will always be a free show. But it, we do need uh, you know, little donations here and there, 5 $10 or whatever, help us get more bandwidth and keep the show going. Uh, you can do so by clicking donate at the podcast blog. Um, which is linked on all of our social networks. And uh, so also, uh, at Who Writes Pod is the Twitter name and Facebook page, Who Writes This Stuff. Go over there and join in the conversation. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy the show. John Leffler is my guest this week. For the past decade, he's been a guitarist, songwriter for the band Dashboard Confessional, as well as a, his own solo performer in his own right. Uh, when John was in town last, he uh, we played a show together in town, and there was it was less than stellar, and uh, we actually talk about that a little bit on this show, and we reference it here and there um, throughout. In the middle of his set at this show, a girl actually came up and rudely stopped him mid-song, uh, completely throwing the show off, and requested a dashboard song, and uh, it, it absolutely was jarring and actually messed with my mindset as I took the stage after him. And we talk about that a little bit too. Um, anyway, John's a great guy and, uh, we had a good talk. So let's get to it. Here's my talk with John Leffler. When it started raining, I was just like, I had kind of 
I'd already acknowledged said goodbye to you, and I was like, I'm just done. I'm out of here. No, sometimes like, you just have to. I just like I have to get out of here. Take like, off. Because I think you mentioned something about the cops in the area or something, and I was just like, you know, I just I could stay and have a beer, but it's not going to be a beneficial thing if I do. No, uh uh-uh. there are sometimes when I'm in a situation like that, or just a bad show, or just a bad vibe, or something. I'm right. like, I. I don't know what it is, but something underneath my skin is like, you got it. Just go. Yeah. Just get it. Know when to hold them, know when to fold them. I, so I, true. Yeah. I feel like uh, uh, there's a part of me that like always like, you know, when I, I started traveling in this context, like just me and a guitar with this body of songs, with these, you know, mm-hmm. or the the genesis of this body of songs, probably in 2009. Mm-hmm. When, you know, and, and so I always I felt like, you know, I'd have a, Couple bad shows and maybe a decent show and then bad shows. I always thought of it as like, oh, pay my dues. You know, I'm just getting, I'm starting out as a solo performer right. again. You know, last time I performed solo, I was, you know, in my early 20s. And, uh, uh, but then you, just, you reach a certain point and it's just like, well, when is it going to be not paying your dues? When do I actually get to the better part? And that's why it's just like, there's, you know, I'm 37. It's just like, where, when is this going to, um, not, I mean, I'm a musician for life. I know that. Mm-hmm. As judging from your room, and that you probably are too. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. Um, this is all I do. But uh, whether and when it becomes financially kind of almost obsolete to travel and do what I'm doing now, you know, when if I where and I could like I live in Dallas, where there's like Oklahoma City, Austin, Houston, uh, you know, San Antonio, New Orleans, just all that within driving area that you could conceivably maybe even smarter to to just stay in that area rather than like build fan bases. You know, it's like. There's times where I feel like I just need to, like, even, like, Facebook, just shut it down. Just, like, just keep my friends, my ex-friends, just shut down all, the, like, the kind of fan-type right. stuff. and Because it ultimately, with very few exceptions, it comes to nothing. You know, it's always, like, you know, people are like, come back to Chicago. It's like, A, I was there, like, twice this year, and you went to none of the shows. B, let me figure out how to get more than 12 people to a show in America's third largest city. You know what I mean? <laughs> so true, yeah. You know, and then, like, I'll take a, I took a performer, like, a guy that plays with me, and Paul Avery, he sings on my, my first record line, he's, like, basically, like, I don't even like to play without him, and, and uh, he does all the high harmonies and stuff, because, like, where my songs are, harmonies are pretty important, and, uh, mm-hmm. other than that, it's just me and my stick, which, as you saw yesterday, is only so deep, <laughs> but, like, he, so I took him to, like, just, like, a, but people that have other, you know, jobs and stuff like that, like, I have to keep it, like, just four shows and out, you know, four and out, basically, and, uh, yeah. you know, do Thursday, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, homes, you know, whatever, and uh, you'll do three good shows, you'll do one good show, you know, that, and it's just, like, that used to be enough, but then especially taking somebody, it costs so much money, you know, and not even paying them what they're worth, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, you just pay them, like, what you can afford to pay them, and, and uh, you just hate to see all these business and financial decisions start to come into play more than they used to. Yeah. You know? Whereas if, uh, you know, if Dashboard was playing, we go do a couple shows in a month and then I can, it's, I can breathe a lot easier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we're not doing that, so it's like, all right, so I have to figure out how to do this and be smart, but also present the music in its best way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is usually a band. You know that's I mean? true yeah and so trying to find a, a, a way like for instance like I have a band in Dallas and I'm really happy with it but uh, we just got together as far as this lineup and we're actually going to do some, some moderate traveling you know when I can like we'll go to Oklahoma City for the night and I got to get them back the next day to their wives mm-hmm. and families And but I also have a band in Houston these guys oh, are really? playing so I kind of I can just drive down there and already have a band and we've and then that's that great. band will go over because you know two hours from Houston is Lake Charles is and then a few hours from that is New Orleans, mm-hmm. and then a few hours from that is like Mississippi. So we've done that, but uh, so you know you find ways to do it, like networking, mm-hmm. and it's always more enjoyable to play with your friends, which I finally figured out how to do. Where you know being in a, in, diff- in a band for a long time, you figure out what to do and what not to do, and, and uh, playing with your friends is always going to be the best way to do it. It's yeah, just more fun, and not even just the. Uh, the traveling and the downtime and stuff like that, but just even just the performance itself, it's just more mm-hmm. fun. Better by design, better every day. Sleep and exercise, a summer holiday, a closet full of clothes, drugs to make your hairline grow. I fit your side. 
people this isn't like yeah you know Madison Square Garden where it's you know so it's just we're just friends playing you know right and it's kind of and I enjoy that you know and if it has to be a bad show at least you're like going through it with somebody and the, but one of my the best things about it, like whether you are playing by yourself and there is a certain beauty of playing by yourself and like my my father asked me when the movie came out he's like you know I was talking to Crazy Heart the other night you know he's like is that what your life's gonna be like I'm like dad that's what my life is like yeah not gonna yeah Except for the fact that he had hit songs, exactly. You know? Like he could play any, like like from those bars he was playing, and everybody was like, there was 175 people, something yeah. showing up and knowing his songs. I was like, man, I would. That I, sounds great. I would love to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm working to get to where uh, Jeff uh, Bridges is in that movie. That, yeah, which, which is considered like a down. <laughs> I one. know. What, I know. There, you know, what's more realistic depiction? Which I can't even remember the name of the movie, but it was. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, where it's like his daughter, and he's like a, a, a oh, kind yeah. of like a, a his, his career is kind of floundering. Like that's more realistic. And she's starting to play music in that movie or something. Yeah, yeah, and that's the not realistic part. But you know, if I had a, a daughter that would magically appear and sing with me, I'd be like pretty stoked. I know. <laughs> I don't have to pay her. I know. Yeah, the, and we're uh, bonding. Yeah, some bonding time. Is, yeah, but like now they're playing in bars, people are yelling at him and stuff like that. Like I, uh, like you. Saw at the uh, uh, wherever we were the attic the other night. Yeah, you know some random girl come up and requesting a you know a dashboard song. Is that what happened? Yeah, that's what happened. I I thought she just interrupted you to, she, to ask something about like because she was selling merchandise for some. She breast, was doing like breast cancer, cancer awareness thing, which is great. But like there's a time and a place. I thought that's that. what she came up to ask you. But she, she asked me to play a hands down, which is are a dashboard you kidding song, me? Which is. Uh, and then I feel like found, that's worse. Uh, it is, and then finding out, like, kind of, the, I think the bartender put her up to it, which oh. is, if it was a good show and there were people there, I wouldn't even like. There's like a funny thing. I was the other day. I was like watching. You know, I, I follow Funny or Die mm-hmm. on Twitter, and they had this thing. It was like basically comedians dealing with hecklers, and like there's yes. like some of the younger comedians just don't handle them very well. And then they had you know like Zach Galifianakis, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just yelling, yelling at one and. The best one I saw was just Richard Pryor because he's you know obviously he was Richard Pryor so he's in a big kind of theater. Yeah. Some jokers yelling at him and he doesn't even acknowledge it. He just keep he he just like oh that's cool man and he just continues his story and then doesn't even acknowledge it. like that's how you handle that seriously yeah you just don't don't even worry about it it's not a big deal but then like a situation like that where it's a shitty show and and uh, you know you can hear the band underneath you and uh, the guy that put on the show is talking through your set that was maddening for me well he's, he's nice he lent me his keyboard completely nice yeah. but there was and he, his, he had a buddy come in halfway through his and, buddy was the one who was talking and, and they were talking so loud and, and yeah. not only that but his buddy was just shitting on a bunch of stuff like he was like oh, I saw this dumb thing he was the the uh, human equivalent of a YouTube comment at that point and right. I was like what is I, I kept looking over like what is happening I was this close from just slapping the table and like Getting onto them like a second grade teacher, so like, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was like, "You are the 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 man who puts on the show, and yeah. you're the one supposed to police this kind of thing." And like, you're letting it happen. Yeah, but there, like was, there could have been a good show. There was good lineup, so it was it could have been a good show. 
Yeah. But uh, the, the good rule of thumb with and this, there's always exceptions. But it's, it's like if I'm doing my own sound, it's probably not going to be a I great know. show, and it better be a good paying show. Because like I say, if I'm playing like some wine bar or something like that, where I have to play two hours, or you know, right. and I'm setting up like I go like one PA speaker or something like that, they better be paying me at least. Further my time to do. Oh that. yeah, and and you know, I've played those too. Where I yeah, and they pay extra for you to yeah. have to put up with that. I hate the theme of this podcast to be kind of like the dark reality, but <laughs> no, I, just, I don't think I love. I that, don't though. think that's, there's a. I think that's just where I am right now. Yeah, you know, like right in this. Like, that's where I am too. Not like the so necessarily like dark. Like I enjoy doing it. I just don't know how much longer I do. And I'm I am 37, and I'm kind of thinking about like where my parents were when they were 37. And like how much time I've wasted in my life, and da da da. And like just because I happen to love an unpopular thing, like which happens to be one of the most popular things in the world is music. But like getting paid to you know, oh yeah, yeah, play, yeah. play music is a whole a whole different thing. And uh, you know, where you could be a uh, moderately talented, I don't even know, insurance mm-hmm. selling insurance, even moderately, and have a fine life. You know, but in order to do music, you have to be like top. You know, or, or at least very fortunate. You have to have yes. something that is beyond moderate to mm-hmm. you know to good, and it's it's a tricky field to get into. Ever, you know, I think I always avoid getting into it for that reason. All of a sudden, it's like I was in it before I even made a choice. You know, I was like, well, I'm I'm doing this, and so now you just the the you know the, where the dark reality comes in is just like, okay, now now what happens? You know, now how do we age gracefully in a business where we weren't in the Beatles? Uh, we didn't have a, uh, you know, a brown-eyed girl when we were in our early twenties, and right. and can play a kind of an esoteric arty career. Uh, let that play out after that, you know. This town is full of just like <laughs> the the skeletons of people who tried to get to that point, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's scary. I mean, it you can see simultaneously your past and your future at the same time. Just driving down the street, you can see somebody just like busking you know for yeah. for whatever they can get look, like stars in their eyes and then you see right next to them there's the homeless guy who was doing that 20 years right. before uh, who just kind of like you know let it take him take hold or whatever it drove him crazy it's like but, being a prospective pole dancer driving down the Vegas strip you know to yeah. the out, from, from the center to the outskirts kind of yeah I can imagine it that way but you know if you do have you know, like had, had glory days in music, then you're a cut above it for most other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, like if you did have a big hit song, that's one more than most people have. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And, I mean, you it's know, a crapshoot. Yeah. Anyway, you cut it. And it's, uh, you know, ultimately, like if I, I would love to just even just play regionally and get to, if I, you know, like we're talking about with the Bad Blake going to his, the, his place, you know, like the clubs where he like has, sits in with a house band. They all know the songs. Yeah. And it's like 200 people, you know, and people dance. And it's like, that sounds just fine to me. I know. That sounds amazing, actually. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm to the places where I, I play. I've been doing this for seven years solo. I, I think at this yeah. point, honestly, like, it's just the, the regional things actually sounds like, financially, it sounds. I mean, I would love to have, you know, like the, you know, it's everything you do is a drop in a bucket that may or may not have holes in it. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, that's a good metaphor, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you just try, you, you know, it's like throwing darts a little bit too, but like you might as well fill your time doing this rather than watching uh, the bucket list <laughs> on TBS. Hey. Which I didn't even finish last night, so I think on my bucket list is to actually to, to finish, finish the, the movie. The, the TV list. version, yeah. the, the one that's on TBS <laughs> 24 hours a day. TBS is great for that. Like, you Oh, know, yeah. I, I, I won't even check the listings, but I'll bet you we'll, Wedding Crashers is on right now. I guarantee it. Yeah. yeah. My pet peeve is like, say you're watching Restaurant Impossible or Bar Rescue or like stuff like that. You just kind of like, oh, let's see what they do with this bar. And it's like, right. And, and it's like, when here's the, and they like, here's the big reveal. And then they go to commercial. So as soon as it goes to commercial, I know that like, I will never see what this bar looks like because. <laughs> I'll change by the time I go up in the channel changer and then it comes all the way back. I'll never get back in time. (laughs) So it's like every time it comes to commercials, it's like, you just lost me. No, I I do that all the time. I'm like, where was that even? Yeah, like, where was that? I'm always like 47. I remember 47. Never remember. And like, oh, 30 Rock rerun. uh, (laughs) I know. Oh, Oh, I know. I know. For morning light to appear, for something else.
everybody's talking about has left him shouldered with fear crippled with doubt shout fire in a crowded room shout fire say the danger's coming soon shout fire till the smoke appears shout fire just to wake up all your fears the sky's falling every I was it born is the best. My band name, actually. There you go. It's on my birth certificate. Good to know. That's the... Are you Jonathan? No, that's that's J O N. Oh wait, if you're J O H N, it's not Jonathan. Yeah, that's yeah. Just blew my mind. I know. Thirty year old man just got his mind blown right here. <laughs> there you go. We're here. We're here to learn. Uh, we're why Dallas? Is that where you're? Kind of that area from that area? Uh, I'm from Houston. Okay. I'm from Houston. I had a friend who I, I lived in LA uh, for about five years, but I was touring a lot. Then I decided I needed to go move back somewhere cheaper to save money. My mm-hmm. friend was building a studio. We were recording my first record and just kind of like, well, you should try Dallas. And it was kind of like, all right. You like it there? Uh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, I'm, I, I go in waves. It goes in waves. You know, it's like, it's very hot. But, I, you know, it's usually. If you don't have enough going on in your life, you worry about the weather more, I feel like. Yeah. So when I start checking my phone and am tempted to post a screenshot of the, <laughs> the weather the forecast, weather which I don't even know how. I tried to do a screenshot the other day. I couldn't do it because uh, then Siri comes up. She's like, can I help you with something? Oh, really? Like, they made a goddamn screenshot. She's like, I cannot take pictures for you. Like, and don't swear so much. I'm like, <laughs> I think I had a dream about Siri the other night. It was quasi-romantic. I bet that's happening more and more these days. Well, what happened was my GPS caught me with Siri. And she got so mad. Oh my gosh. Why can't they just get along? They're probably the same. She's like, (laughs) recalculating. You are cheating on me. (laughs) We need to recalculate this relationship. My GPS is one of the longest relationships I've had with a woman. (laughs) Which I think a GPS is actually going to end up killing me because... Well, I, as much as I travel, I always lose the suction cup thing. Oh yeah, I always forget that. So I hold it in my hand, and then like you know, you, you know you're gonna like you know it slides over, and you're yeah. trying to make a turn, and like that happened about twenty times on the way to your house. Here, <laughs> I have no doubt. That's, that's a bit moving on. <laughs> uh, where did you? When did you start playing music? Was it like in high school or? Was, uh, uh, yeah, high school. Like there? basically, like my older brother is a drummer, and uh, like we're talking like uh, you know back in like hair metal days, like Sister Christian, shit like that. Mm-hmm. And that's when we kind of music was introduced in our house. Before that, there was really no. My dad was like in a college band, you know, had a, a nylon string guitar, but didn't. I don't remember him playing to being grown oh, up. Oh, really? But so my brother was kind of like the uh, the pioneer of that. He and uh, we just kind of slowly followed suit. There's three of us, and I grew up in the middle between two drummers. And oddly enough, I was really good at math. So that, imagine doing math That's homework odd. while two drummers are, <laughs> are, are practicing. One's playing hair metal, and the other's doing practice for marching band yeah. snare rolls. And it's, we actually had an upstairs room in our house that was called the drum room. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can imagine like the inferiority complex I had being a guitar player, having to play the guitar in the drum room. Yeah. Why did you not be a drummer? Yeah, I, guess I could I could play guitar. Okay, well, good point. <laughs> you picked it up and you're like, oh, no, this is me. No, like my, we had a, a guitar, like an old PVT-60 lying around, and uh, I, you know, fart around on it and try to, like, you know, act like I played a guitar, you know, where you take, you know, but then I never really picked up and actually learned to play until I was probably 15. You know, yeah. it was like, oh, it's very late. And I was like, what's 15? It's like, it's not late. Yeah. You know, you got your whole rest of your life to throw it away on music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 15 is pretty, uh, I feel like that's a pretty normal age. But then, like, you, you'll sit in, like, I didn't, you know, I was very conscientious about my homework. You could sit for hours a day and just playing Sunday, Bloody Sunday, over and over. And, like, where if I did that now, you, have, you could never have the patience to do that. No. Uh-uh. The rate of improvement for me is, you know, you, you start out improving a lot at first, and then it's just so gradual at that. And that's if you keep playing and playing yeah. and playing. You know, most people just kind of plateau out. And uh, I, I, I play a lot at home, though. When, like, I'll play a lot of acoustic. I was like, you know, for instance, my last the EP is like someone brought up that it was largely acoustic and I was like well, I guess you're right because I guess that all the songs are based around acoustic so I was like well maybe I'll put the acoustic away now and just play electric or you know God forbid I get back on the piano you know and do mm-hmm. more piano size which I want to do uh, so that's the, I've chosen to kind of do that but like it's always easy to just pick up acoustic guitar while you're watching TV oh it's so easy you know and, uh, I was doing it earlier it's just yeah it's like it's like falling in love it's yeah 
walking and chewing gum. <laughs> it's so true. Wait, falling in love is easy. I guess so. I guess is that a song? I'm told it's a country song being written right now in, right. This, in this neighborhood. So basically, where country is is where I think it's just country is now just caught up to kind of classic rock and, and like almost hair metal. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way they they dress and and uh, so true. You know, I think that's and Bon Jovi's actually done really well in that kind of crossover because they yeah. already kind of they dress like country people now dress and like mm-hmm. their songs kind of fit in with that they even had a hit with that was it like Sugarland or something yeah something yeah yeah I know it's so, it's so weird just watching uh, you know country artists play on you know on award shows or whatever and they all look like 80s rock stars or <laughs> or whatever it is like you don't there's no like the country music of the 90s the way they dress like you know, they just like, came back from the rodeo or whatever. Like that's right, so the, the Garth Brooks thing. Yeah, completely well, Garth gone. Garth is gone. You know, he took yeah. that with him. I've never hung out with Taylor Swift. Actually, I, I don't know. You didn't uh, work up any co-write sessions while you were in town? See, I, I don't know if I could ever co-write. I was like, I can't. I wish my brother does that. Like, I can't, Really? I can't do it either. I can't even begin. Like, people always, you know, there's always the, the guy that's like, oh, let's write together. And then, mm-hmm. it, how I, would I do I that? It. Like, writing is such a, a terrible, horrible experience. How could I share that with someone else? <laughs> I know. It's just like, I would rather just stand uh, naked in a closet with somebody. Like, that's that's the equivalent to me because... When I write, I'm so... I'm so uh, that, that sounds so right, though. <laughs> I'm so raw, and so when I write, I, I get to be an idiot, and, like, right. all my strings show, like, it's a it's a nasty peek behind the curtain. Right. And so usually when strangers approach me or people at shows are like, I love your songs, can we write together? I would yeah. love to get a little bit of what you do in, in my stuff, yeah. and like... Thanks for the compliment, but like, uh, can you re- can you buy me a meal? Like that would be, I would rather you buy me a meal. Right. <laughs> Let's do that. Just I'd say, just give me twenty push-ups. <laughs> that will help you more than any song we could ever write together. Well, I think writing with somebody. If there's people, and we're not, you know, the goal is to be like kind of the Goffin King, the kind of Lieber Stoller thing like that, you know, Bachrock David. But those people, those are like marriages almost. Mm-hmm. Like they had worked together so much. It's not yeah. like they just got together. And uh, like I know people like my brother's friends and stuff but in LA you know they work I got a co-writing session they do that every day and I get why they do that because then they get a little bit of money here a little bit of money there and you do like, yeah but like why are you wearing a dress to go co-write and like I just couldn't imagine like to me if I was riding with somebody unless it just became a like relationship with somebody you know where I worked and worked and worked with them it would be like here is whatever's off the top of my head right now you're getting here's five percent of what i'm capable of mm-hmm. you know do with it what you will right you know even if like i'm friends with them like i was like there needs to be some mystery to this relationship <laughs> right but then again the more i think about it, maybe it's like maybe i should do something like that <clears throat> just to get the wheels turning in a different direction yeah or something like you you know because whatever i'm doing right now is not a fail-safe <laughs> It's not whatever I'm doing. It's not not working, but it's not working as good as it could be. You right. Know what I mean, it's not maybe who knows. But I just I I think it's when I don't like the way my writing is going. It only means I need to work harder at it, and I need to do it more, and I need to be more dedicated to do it because I'm very lazy. But it's funny thing is like, but I'm only if I write the song that I like, then I feel better than if I did anything else. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's kind of how I would judge my productivity, or which boils down to like your your self worth to some degree. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, um, you feel like if you get a new good song that you can play in your live set, you feel like I got oh. it all. It all, uh, it, yeah, it all yeah. builds up to that point. Yeah, because like <laughs> for if, me, if I, if you, if I write six songs, basically one out of three songs I write will make it to the lives live set. Oh, okay. And uh, is they yeah, okay? One out of three I record. Okay, yeah. Like say, like I, I the six song EP, I do I do two every show, two and sometimes one of the other ones. But the more you play, like you like I, bad shows, you just play whatever because it doesn't matter. But like good shows, you learn what you need to play, 
what you need to write. Like, God, if I had one more up-tempo piano song I could put right here, my set would be so much better. Mm -hmm. You know? And so you have to think of stuff that way where it didn't used to be. Now it's just, I feel like writing a song like this, but like now you have to be smarter about it. Right, yeah. Like there's a reason I'm writing songs. You know, well, people... There's dozens of people that will hear them across the country. <laughs> Literally, there are and dozens, then dozens more uh, worldwide that will claim to have heard them. Right. I, I get the whole, like, uh, oh, I see that you're doing that on the internet. Like, yeah. well, why don't you come to the shows? Like, no, 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 I see that you're doing it. Like, there's yeah. enough of, a, like, a faux audience because, like, well, I have all these likes on Facebook or all these Twitter followers, and they just they see enough that you're doing it. They're like... So if you have to glean the ones that actually yeah. don't have plans the night that you come to town, and then through those, the ones that are right. actually brave enough to show up to a thing. Yeah, you just have to inundate people. The center of that being, I, I don't be one of those people that invites everyone, uh, because then it's just people that do that are kind of ruin it for the rest of us. If you're inviting four thousand people to your show in Des Moines, mm -hmm. you're ruining it for the rest of us because you know now no one looks at invites. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, that's so true. and so you have to. There's no accountability uh, to to those. Uh, well, the internet is. There's no accountability on the internet. To that's begin true. With. Uh, it's the wild west. I don't really know what, uh, but you kind of feel like you have to do it. You're like, well, I have to. You know, I'm doing this show, and I might I have to tell people about it because uh, yeah. You know, it's it's a, obviously the, the boils down to this. It's like it's a, very easy to go like that and click that you like someone versus putting on your pants, leaving your house, <laughs> and going to a club. It's so hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, for instance, you know, and now it's like getting people to put on their pants, leave their house, go to a club, and bring a ten dollar bill with them so they can maybe buy a record or two. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so rare. So many performers forget. Myself included, that like, you know, like when in the 1950s, like say like guys like Sam Cooke and even through like Otis Redding stuff like that. I mean, not just in that kind of genre of music, but like they were entertainers. You know, they weren't just considered you know singers. Like mm -hmm. you had to go out there and put on a show like Elvis and 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 people like it's think it's enough that it's just like here are my songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, and we we just had it together a bad show together, and then that's mm -hmm. kind of hard to do at that point. Uh, just get to the end of the set yeah. or what can conceivably be called an end of a set absolutely you know and just save your strength for the next day and don't get trashed and you know um, the the allure is just like it, not to get we were talking about that before like the allure is not there the adventure is not there anymore now it has it comes down to like did I have a good show did I improve did I did something good come from this other than just going to have a good time and talking to a chick or, or whatever you right. know what I mean like you have to there's more at stake these days than there was when I was 27. Yeah. I think it was expectation, too. Yeah. How much it was advertised and how much, you know, we, the effort you and I put into, like, mm -hmm. telling people about it and just seeing... Sometimes when people, when I come through town who haven't met me, they think that, like, oh, well, I'll bet you he'll bring 50, 70 people to the show. It's just not the case. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it does not translate. It's probably the same... I was talking about to a friend of mine about this. Like the same percentage of people that buy my records versus those that buy Dashboard records is probably the same percentage of people that buy Roger Daltrey's solo records to, to uh, Who. The Who, yeah, who that's records. true, that's true. You know what I mean? Or Slash's solo records. I can records. see that, yeah. You know, um, well, Slash's Rich, Or Richie Sambora. <laughs> By the way, like, I could never say a bad word about Richie. You guys play shows with them, we, right? We, with Bon Jovi? Yeah, talk about name dropping. Yeah, we, we did no, three no, months with Bon Jovi. That's insane. And I couldn't have been more impressed with how really? Richie played every night. Like, first of all, I don't think he can hear that well. But you would never know it. His singing, not only is it like the highest register imaginable for a man, not, but he, he nails it every time. Every wow. solo is awesome. He squeals a lot with a guitar, but yeah, yeah. that's his thing. That's he's, what people want to see. He's just flawless. Like, wow. to me, it's like they did a show... I think when he went into rehab without him, I'm like, how could they do a show without him? That would be like YouTube doing a show without the Edge, as far as yeah, I'm that it, yeah. I just oh, how is that possible? Right. You know, I'm sure you listened to Bon Jovi growing up, and you know, and then you get to go out on the road with him. Is there is there ever a point where you you let yourself freak out? Does it happen daily in your head at least? Well, I mean, it's like be like, this is insane that I've gotten to this. Well, point. it's insane because I've, with that particular tour and that and how they're, I'm sure every tour for the last twenty years is with them is gone. It's like I've never seen. I've seen you know you and our musicians. We've seen lots of bands and lots of big bands and uh, whether you two, even the Police and did, I've never seen 
one song dominate a night like Living on a Prayer dominates a Bon Jovi show. Really? I cannot and they have you know why there are a lot of people love that people love you know Shot Through the Heart blah 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 and yeah they got they, they, have, they have a lot of songs hits. yeah it's a big long show and it's all good And but then when they get that last song it's just the place just literally goes insane I just, it's gonna the whole room's gonna explode and, and, and there's like 30, 40,000 <laughs> people in there just screaming their asses off yeah 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 you know and uh, uh I just couldn't believe it. And so I watch it. You know, you do a show and you couldn't always catch the first set or certain parts of the set you couldn't catch, but some nights you could see the whole night. But like every night I made sure to catch the last couple songs. It was always wanted there alive, living on a prayer. You know, it's like when you go see the Grand Canyon or something when you're a kid, you just want to take it in, like knowing you'll probably never see this again or, or right. you, know, you know, like this the, is a special moment. This is special. And it really was, not to be like kind of cheesy about that, no, but no, it no. was like I'll never get to stand front row and have Bon Jovi wink at me. And while he this moment happens ever in my life, he actually like he That's saw so the bass awesome. player and yeah. I, and he thanked us in front of the whole crowd, and then basically like you know like I'm sure he he winks at most every fan in the front and makes us feel special, but he's good at that. But I was like I'll never get to do that because if I ever got to see Bon Jovi again, I'd probably be like at the closest like the fiftieth row mm-hmm. or something, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean those seats were like thirteen hundred dollars or something. Up yeah, there, you know what I mean and. So I was like, I'll never get to do this again. I'll never get to kind of see behind the scenes this this thing. So I took it in every every night. You know, I made sure. And so I and I, I have nothing in my bedroom except for a, this poster from the Nashville show signed to me from all the Bon Jovi guys. You know, and I never don't need to go see them again. I feel like that memory is complete. Yeah. And not that it was like I was just a spectator watching a Bon Jovi show, just one of thirty five thousand people out there, but. For me, it was a cool thing. It's like, all right, I check, I can check that box. Now let's move on. I don't relate to it in a way that people in bands be like, I wish it was me up there. I'm jealous it's not me. The only thing we have in common is that we both make noise and write and maybe write songs. That's there's a whole they're on a different planet of anything I do. Mm-hmm. And was interesting for me on that tour because. We would do, you know, you have four four nights a week of Bon Jovi shows. You might have two of Dashboard shows mm-hmm. on the days off. And then one show, you'd have, I'd do a show. Would, oh, cool. day off. Okay. So I was always playing. And it was funny, the Nashville show, I'll always remember that one because, like, I, we, it was a massive show, you know. But as soon as I was done playing, I didn't even get to see Bon Jovi. I would, there's a place that doesn't even do music now, so I ran and I had a gig of my own. Which like no one came to, you know. What I mean, it was like typical. So I went from playing to like thirty thousand people to like twelve people in this cafe that didn't even want me there. Wow, you know what I mean? It was just like culture shock, totally. Yeah, you know, it's like it just shows you where you are, you know. Like so, even in all the dashboard success, I never got a big head about it because I knew where I was, you know. Interesting. In the context of the band, they might. There's part of me, you know. There's some people think that listen to music or know the know the difference or whatever. But like, if they just had another curly haired guy, if they took the killer's guitar player and put him next to the lead singer dashboard, the fans would probably just be fine with it. They'd be like, oh, there, that seems that looks right. I don't know. I've yeah. seen I've seen some uh, YouTube videos of, of dashboard where people yell out your name and stuff like on the. Camera. But I probably like they're <laughs> probably like one of the my fourteen hundred or twelve hundred Facebook friends. Okay, yeah, that's across. possible. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like that's. That's a, a, an anomaly, you know. Maybe not, but that's just kind of how I. I think you're selling yourself a little bit short, but I understand. I, I'm basically saying it, does, it doesn't go to my like that show goes on without me. And it, yeah, and I wish it would go on more these days. But yeah, so maybe we'll get back to that. Was there like I, I know there's sort of a break happening right now because you're going on the road, and I, I, it was announced Chris is going back with further seems forever for, for a tour or yeah record, I don't think they end up something. doing much with that though I'm not sure funny I just got a text from just now oh really he says I haven't heard from him in a while so maybe he's like we're putting the band back together that would be awesome <laughs> Blues Brothers style <laughs> uh, <laughs> just swing by on an old cop car well, that would be awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses that's right you guys can use that for your next video idea then uh, I only need a little bit of credit and right, right, right. that's all I need the, the idea I have for the next video is for rock bands not to make videos and put the money go. somewhere else more you know more productive <laughs> yeah, exactly. there's no reason to have videos but I am also averse to over professionalizing yourself like like people who like go play to 10 people and just have this amazing website and mm-hmm. you know just stickers and keychains and you know and uh, someone actually said to me recently, "Is like, oh, you should have make hoodies." I'm like, I would love to make hoodies. They're I can't so, sell. I can't so sell a CD. I know. <laughs> like, why is that's it? a good. But point. I, then, then, then that makes me think. 
well, maybe I should sell something they need. You can't download a hoodie. <laughs> That's true. Yet. Yeah. That, you know, it's coming. <laughs> it's around the corner. You know what I mean? Oh, there's got to be one like in Japan where you can like, they just have like all these textiles in this Coke machine. <laughs> and it's like, wow. <laughs> there's little children inside of it that just yeah. sew it in and hand it to you. <laughs> there's little beds in there. <laughs> I guarantee you. Uh, there's all these like liberals banging on the side of it. Yep, like, let yep. them out, let them out. <laughs> I do. I do want to ask uh, a couple of dashboard questions, though, if you, if you don't care. I know. Sure. I you, hope I can answer you get them it all the time. But uh, you, I get them less these days. Do you really? Okay. Did you just start on as like a hired hand, basically? I feel like I was just kind of sitting in for ten years. You know. Is that what you feel like? I, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was. Wondering, I was wondering just how how much you feel like it's uh, hired hand versus you actually like being a part, like an active like writing and being a part of. Well, it's show us Chris's band, and he he's you know. They're his songs, and uh, just kind of beyond that, you know, it's a tricky question as far as like the behind the scenes of the band. I always feel like it's kind of like making sausages a little bit. Like it's you don't you don't know every every detail. <laughs> That's true. You want yeah, to continue yeah. to eat the sausage, and That's long, true. You, know, you don't. Really I've avoided a few Netflix documentaries because I, I I have to eat fast food sometimes on the road. Yeah, and I, I don't need that information right now. Yeah, it's not helping me. I can't save the world. It's true. My wallet cannot save the world. I th- I was just hired to, to do the MTV Unplugged, essentially, mm-hmm. and I never really went home. I think I just kind of oh, stuck around. And then uh, it There's just, just more gigs and more tours. And there more was just stuff. more gigs, and I think it just kind of worked. And it just there was so there were so many gigs and so many, I guess, uh, appearances and stuff lined up. I. Uh, they needed someone, and I was just happened to be there, and, and I have. How did you even get hooked up with that? With him? Did you know him? Chris no, beforehand or my or? cousin was friends with a, a guy from the band Hot Rod Circuit, who they okay, toured yeah. with him a lot. And then they basically there was they needed someone to fill in for the Unplugged, and I was just waiting tables in L.A. And so basically, I just flew out to meet him, and I said, "Well, let's show you. Learn the songs this week. We'll be mm-hmm. on tour." And uh, then the show's next week. And I thought I was, I told my job that I'll just, I'll, I'll give me like two weeks off. I'll be back. And I just never came back. Kind of, then I worked very closely with Chris, and then I became very involved in the uh, recording processes. So I would always I would start the session, and I have to finish it long after everyone else is gone. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, I always like kind of like that. You know, it's always, you can kind of tinker with the songs that way and kind of really yeah. finish, finish them off in the studio and kind of develop a relationship with the producer and kind of have a, it's fun to record with a band. Sometimes it's more fun to just record just you and a producer where you can just think without yeah, yeah, yeah. having to vote. That's on, true. On everything. Yeah, uh, I never thought about that. But so that became kind of what my role, you know, where I worked very closely with with, with Chris. And honestly, this we just haven't had the only shows we've had in the last since maybe the Bon Jovi tour. I think we did some rehearsing for Bon Jovi tour. We had a different kind of set, which basically was like I was a big proponent. Of like we got to take out the fast paced stuff. This hands down, it gets it's lost on this crowd as much as it is mm, a hit with true. our crowd. So we played very different sets. So we did rehearsals and stuff for that, but you know maybe a few days, you know, because we yeah. played these songs so long, it's not like we need to rehearse vindicated, right? You know, and so when we meet up now, it's just for hey guys, what's up? All right, we play in an hour, you know, and then uh, we go home from there. I would like to, if we do get back, it would be nice to really get back in with a with the you know the toolbox and, and kind of uh, see where we are and see what happens next mm-hmm. what the next I'm more interested in what the next step is yeah if we, if we have a next step you know and you have to I think there's still time for Desperate to do that if we hurry up yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, maybe we could do a record that 
people want to hear some of the songs from maybe we can't maybe right because the last record we did I thought was very well done but I don't know if there's any of the songs that like are must plays at shows you know like some of the old oh yeah that's a good point but bands have moments and if you're lucky you have a moment you know what I mean mm-hmm. if you're lucky and if you get more than one then you're very very lucky well that's what and, seems to have like a very like devoted following yeah um, I think what's important is to get out there not only play to to them but it's not always about you know financially and just for overall you know goodwill it's fun to preach to the converted but beyond that you want to make new fans you know yeah, yeah, yeah. like I like like I had you know even like the couple of people that went to see me yesterday like I love it when they come you know and that's great but it, you know it's also cool if someone would out new would you know for instance if Ron Jeremy bought my CD which he did not <laughs> Oh come on, Ron! Yeah. I wonder if they money. charged him to get into that. I don't know. I I kind of stood back there, or whatever, at the bar, and like overheard people introducing themselves to him. Like there were a bunch of. It was just fun seeing little like hipster dudes, mustaches and fedoras, yeah. like freak out when they realize they're sitting next to him. I have a question for you. Either. Yeah, am I a hipster? Uh, no. Okay. You're a musician. Okay. You just look. You like Are you a hipster? I don't think so. I I just had this conversation earlier. I, I get branded a hipster because of my appearance, because of my glasses and my hat. Right. Uh, I, right. I, I have hipster tendencies, but I don't... What is a hipster car? A bicycle. Is it true hipster bike. not have a car? Yeah, it's like a... Like, bu- they live in Brooklyn? Yes. It's a, it's a true hipster. I, I think a true hipster has, like, a, a bike or a, a, a moped. If they have a car, it's, it's probably, like, a Volkswagen, but an older right. model. Or a Mini you know, or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's There's... The the true hipsters are the ones who aren't who are wearing clothes from Goodwill but could easily like they're they're the trust fund kids you know but they're right. the, they're they're dressing I, like right on on purpose to kind of like grab attention you know the the comically oversized glasses or the or the the throwback shirt because I just I guess I'm not clear kind of like I was I was more clear about the definition of emo than I was about the de- than I am about the definition of hipster right I think the definition constantly changes right. I don't think you can love anything earnestly just period yeah. like if you earnestly love something keep it to yourself that's a very that's right. a very big hipster uh, credo if anything gets to the point where it reaches too many people it's gone it's 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 no longer like right. it's dead to them and I, and I actually live with a guy I had a roommate <clears throat> uh, about 10 years ago who was like the worst kind of hipster and he <laughs> like he had his cool buddies who he looked up to who were also hipsters and he would ask them what bands they liked just casually and they mentioned the promise ring he right. went out he went on ebay that night and bought every promise ring vinyl and then a week later when they came over he had them all like lined up on his thing and he was like oh yeah and they're like oh well we don't listen to them anymore we're into this band now and that's then he so sells last them all. week yeah exa- it is and he got like freaked out and he's like yeah i I don't even listen to him either. Like <laughs> he was the worst. Like I, I couldn't. He drove me insane. Right. And he was. And I, I think he's gotten better since then. I hope yeah. from ten years ago. But like that. That's when. That's my first. I was like, what is this type of person? And then somebody told me that that's what a hipster is. And I was like, oh, I yeah. kind of get that. And he couldn't earnestly love anything. If he right. loved anything, it was for irony purposes and to shit on. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So what? Uh. What do you have? You said that you, that's where there's a question mark in it. You don't even know as far as like what's next. Or I don't you, know. you literally just got a text from Chris. Let's see what it says. <laughs> this is world exclusive. Oh uh, well, it's a it's a good text, but it has nothing to do with work. It's just a screenshot of uh, <laughs> his his dashboard. No pun intended. Of his car from Sirius Radio, it, where it's the song that's playing is one of the, my favorites. Is uh, Slade's "Run Run 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 Runaway." It's uh, what called is that? Run Runaway by Slade. Uh, I don't even know Slade. What is Slade? Uh, they're like a glam band from England from okay. like the, the late seventies. Early, you know, like when you're a little kid, and some songs strike you a certain way. Like I think it was that one, and like the Joe Jackson song "Stepping Out," where it's like none of your friends liked it. It just what didn't seem cool. It didn't look cool. It wasn't like new wave and all the Eurythmics, Duran Duran shit. Mm-hmm. But then years later, as an adult, you're like, no, I really like that song. Right? You know, I, that's nothing wrong with me liking that song. I know. Now, I know. now you're like, that song rules. You know, why didn't I like that? You know, admit to liking that. Why was I such a hipster when I was five? <laughs> it's at that age. You know, if I, only I could use my mind for good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh I think about that all the time because I constantly I have friends I, before IMDB was a thing I was the IMDB and so people would text me or right. or, or not even text they would call me like hey I just need uh, what was the guy's name who was in this thing I just, that's the stuff that stuck in my brain was just 
I know like the the seven to eight leads of like a, a movie, a random movie right. or something, you know. Or I feel like I'm the fourth lead in my own life. <laughs> There's the pull quote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's the lead then? I don't know. Chris. <laughs> At times he's been. Yeah. At times he's been. Uh, Pull quotes. So that's a good one. Yeah, we'll start with that and we'll work backwards. Let's. I just want to do a run of pull quotes. You just say random things <laughs> and no context, and I'll throw them in randomly as I edit the podcast. Uh, well, John, thanks for. Thanks We're gonna. For this is an audio handshake. Absolutely, it's right there. You hear it? Hear it? It's brilliant. That's this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to check out more of John's music, you can go to johnlefflermusic.com uh, or you can grab his latest EP, Shout Fire. It's available on iTunes. Uh, he's a good man. Go see him live. Support independent music. And uh, I guess that's it. So as always, for Who Writes This Stuff, I'm Nick Flora. Go do something creative. Go do something creative.